come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles, the generation before the last generation, <clears throat> and the, uh, uh, the after one, whatever. Anyway, I am Ron Kolick, and I am your host, at least for now. And with me, joining us from the land of the East Bridgewater, is the blonde bombshell herself, Ann Kerrigan. Hello! Watch out! <laughs> hey! How are you? <laughs> well, that was a good one. <laughs> I just pressed on something, sorry, on the... um. The Skype, uh, the emoticons, and uh, it was a video. Sorry. Yeah. But that's hey, okay. here I am. There you are. are. <laughs> that's the last. So right. here we go into the oh. X File edition of Ghost Chronicles. <laughs> there you go. I am Ron Kolick, and she is, um, what's her name? Ann Carrigan. And with hey. us all the way from tomorrow is the founder of Parascience, or co-founder, and uh, the author of two uh, books, uh, including that ghost porn one, um, <laughs> Ghostology, uh, and uh, the other one, Steve Parsons. Hey, I should hey. have some music. I'm, I'm fr- I, I was frantically looking around for something to... Uh, to make some music in the background, but well, that's I what I did. It. I just grabbed my phone. That's that's my. Yeah, I couldn't find my. I, mine's on charging the other room. I could go, I've got the bass guitar, but that's a bit. Oh, you yeah. could have. You could have. I could, but everybody's asleep. You know, it's the middle of the night. Well, that's good. That's right. He has to be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> good evening. Good morning. Well, yeah. good morning to you. Good evening to us. Good morning from Thursday. <laughs> yes. Happy <laughs> Thursday. That whole thing is confusing. I don't understand that. It's simple. Uh, it, it's Thursday. You don't What's your problem it, with that? How, how can it be? Daylight like, saving? No, not daylight. No. It's I mean, the international dateline, right? Yeah. It's it's Thursday. Get over it. <laughs> so, yeah. But, like, so if two twins were born on, on the one before the line and one after the line, will one be a day older than the other? Yes. And I... Yes. I I actually know uh, two sets of twins where one was born just before, one was born just after midnight, so their birthdays are different days, even though they're twins. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I, one, I mean, at, one was born at 10 to midnight, one was born yeah. at uh, 25 Yeah, that's what day, but I'm talking, well, yeah, I guess it's the same, because even if you bought at the same time, well, you couldn't even. Actually, X-Files-wise, there is a really weird one, um, where there, were, there are two twins who are actually a year apart, because they were part of a fertility program where the one embryo was frozen and then re-implanted, so they are, they are legally twins but their birthdays are actually a year apart because uh, oh. one of the embryos was was implanted later that's imagine having to explain that your entire yeah. life yeah this is my twin i'm four he's three thanks mom and dad 
wait, wait, wait a minute. If theoretically, there, there could be some serious problems because if your embryo wasn't planted years, how long does they last in those little popsicle containers? Is there any, well, let's, let's throw that out to the listeners. If you're a twin who's lived in a popsicle container, I, I, I mean, get in the chat room. Can you live years? I mean, would it possible for a, a twin to be years older than, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm totally messed up. I should have go back to sleep and wake up, pretend this isn't happening. Uh, <laughs> hey, you wanted to talk about, what are we, what are we talking about? <laughs> X-Files, X-Files, right? Doesn't it all fit in? It does. That's the crazy thing about it. There but, you go. Uh, but, I, I mean, it, so I guess it is theoretically possible for you to be years older than your twin? Uh, yeah, and Steve the longest... Yeah, and the longest... Uh, I think here in the UK, you're allowed to freeze the embryo for five years. So you could be five years... He could be. I think it's actually different in different parts of the world, but I just checked the UK one, and it's five. I think it's five years. Okay, thank you, Steve. I appreciate that research. Thank, thank you, Google. On the spot of the moment, like that, okay. that's so good. So, uh, what? I mean, we hear a lot of things about twins being connected. Uh, yet, I, I've seen some data that that suggests that that's not true. But you have so many people, especially mediums, that will tell you that, you know, you know about the connection between twins. Well, I can Do speak you... from kind of experience because my both my younger brothers uh, are five years old than you. Are twins. <laughs> and, uh, all right, just okay. There you so, go. so, in your case alone, is <laughs> is that is that uh, do they have some type of connection? Um. I, I would actually say yes. That, I mean, uh, oh, you, not, you, well, not, in a psych, not in a psychic sense, but I, I do recall when they were growing up, when they were around about two, two and a half, um, they both had to go to speech therapy because there is a phenomenon that's, that's well known within twins where they develop their own language. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. They they developed a unique language of their own. Now, what was interesting is because I was I'm only two years older than them, I could... I was act- acting as a translator because I could understand what they were saying to each other, and I had to translate for my mum. So you knew uh, the language too. I knew the language too. I can still remember bits of it, um, like things like a swing was a do bar do, a soldier was a do do bar. They had this do 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 type language, but Goodness. it was it had many many words. Um, and it was a fully developed language, and it, it's actually well known between twins. I also remember as well whilst they were growing up, when one broke his arm, the other one, uh, who was some distance away, I think he was at, 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 a, at a school camp, um, either reported the pain or I don't remember the details with any clarity. I, he either reported the pain or he sensed the pain. There was some interaction at distance between the two of them when one broke his arm. I do remember that. Wow. That's that's amazing. That's crazy. And and like the language thing, we've all probably seen that that um, that video that was shared. It's been all over Facebook of the twins in front of the refrigerator, you know, and they're talking just like what you said. Da 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 da, and they're just they're like cracking each other up. Yeah, but babies do that all the time. Yeah, but they're twins. Yeah, so it doesn't have to be twins. 
I mean, babies talk like to each other all the time, and that da 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 da, and we have no clue if they're understanding each other or they're just saying, "Boy, what an asshole! He can't even speak English." Well, oh, you're not supposed to swear, Ron. That's not a swear. Yes, it is. They, they, anyway, not, not, they, the phenomenon. Radio. We're not on TV. This is whatever. What's the phenomenon is well known, and it, and it's been well 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 documented medically that the two that twins and triplets can develop their own language. Um, so, so what, you know, that's what Steve just said, Ron. I'm just reinforcing, you know, that we've seen it in this video. Yeah, which is a commercial. No, well, I, I actually oh. witnessed it. I, I was a third party to that because I was because because of the two year age gap. Um, I'm, I'm yeah, only but two that, years you're older. You're talking one one incident is that you, you know it's such a yeah, small but sample, sample, sample but it's size. Not, it's, you can't it's you not, know, say that as a fact. Well, it is a fact because it absolutely happened. Therefore, it, that makes yes, it in that's true. I, I, I used the wrong. It can't <laughs> be a fact for, for all. But it is it is well documented. No, not for all twins, uh, but it is documented within twins, uh, within multiple yes. births, that they do. Uh, they well, in reality, when you think about language. that, that's nothing supernatural or paranormal. Because no, no, who said it was? If who you said were, it was? You know, if you were stuck on an island, totally diverse from people, I mean, you would develop a language between the two of you anyways. Yeah, nobody said it was supernatural. You you simply asked me if there was any connection between. And I said the only thing I can really remember is the one incident where one broke his arm. But that the, interestingly, they did develop this language between themselves. Now that's a connection. It's a it's a real world connection. Okay. So, you know, I was I was, I'm sorry I answered the question. Now I should have just <laughs> said nothing. Do do bar. Da da do boo boo bar. Well, I mean. Uh, Steve you and know, I are going to talk to ourselves. This, this, all, this all goes back to nature. I mean, no, it all know. goes back to what you started the show with. Exactly, and you know, for instance, for instance we, we know we know that 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 fish sometimes cough in the water. And that, do they have their own language? I don't know. I've never do they call it? A, a do they call it a cough, or is it a mouth fart? But at the same t- at, at the same time, armadillos are able to walk in the water. So why don't we ask an armadillo? How is any of this paranormal? Well, I don't know. I don't how, is it, how is it not? Uh, I don't know. I don't, how do we know that fish freaking talk underwater? Who knows that? But the I, other I, fish. Uh-huh. Unlike you, I actually have uh, research material in front of me uh, that they give me all this uh, well-documented... Uh, He's sitting in front of the goldfish bowl, and <laughs> <laughs> For instance, I know that the Doctors. average. For, for instance, I know that the average dog can run 19 miles per hour, <laughs> while he's chasing the armadillo on the water. Probably. That means in in, in one hour's time, the, by the time the show ends, the dog will be 19 miles away. Do you think it will be? Yeah, well, 19 miles an hour. Do the math. Um, by the time we come off air, that dog. Well, will wait be, a minute. Depends if we're in the next county. If, if, we're, if we're going towards the international dateline or not. Well, you know, if it's doing 19 miles an hour, it's simple math. By the end, of, by the time we come off air at, at whatever time it is, wherever it is in the world, uh-huh. the, dog, the dog will be in the next county. Yes, but... But, but the interesting thing is, when, when you know, I, I, we've had dogs. I know people who've got dogs. The dog gets out the garden, yeah. it runs away. You never, you never find it, you know, you, you find it hours. They like, have their own hours. language. 
hours later, and it's not 19 miles away, it's in the next door's, it's in the next door's garden going through the bins. Yeah. <laughs> did they have their own language? No, it didn't do 19 miles an hour in that case, did it? So I mean, <laughs> your, your whole theory just collapsed there by fact. <laughs> the, the dog was found 50, 50 metres away in a bin. Yeah, but he ran 19 miles in a circle. Ever seen a dog chasing its own tail? Oh, come on. You're clutching the straws now. Oh, oh my no, this, this is pseudoscience. Yeah. It's pseudoscience. You're just no, trying to make files. You're just trying to make your crazy hypothesis fit right. your... So what about ghost dogs? Yeah. It's X-Files. What about ghost dogs? Yeah, what Terror about dogs. ghost dogs? Yeah, very good. Terror dogs. They, they fly 19 miles an hour. I don't know. I mean, they had get they, Wait a minute. They had dogs. They had dogs in fly. <laughs> yeah. Ghost dogs. Are flying squirrels. Really. Ghost dogs fly. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, we we do have um, we ha- we have here in the UK, and particularly in this part of the world, we have uh, black dogs, phantom black dogs. Yes, we do. Glowing shots. red eyes. Shots, black black shots. shots. And, uh... It's in my post today. That's right, and there's one in all... There's, I'm, I'm there's, sure that's where you got the information from, because... Um, it's, it's that, 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 it is that, standard. That would be the one. Um, yeah. and, and interestingly, you must, you must have visited this part of the world, because um, back in it's the 1800s, yes. the road upon which our house is built uh, uh-huh. was, was... Is the... Uh, was the location of a sighting of a black dog black. Ah. so black what are what are black dogs are are, are devil dogs, dogs or uh, devil large dogs. dogs large dogs often described as being the size of a calf or um, a oh, small like pony red, with red gl- and yellow eyes glowing so like glowing yeah they they yeah. Uh, okay. associated with uh, with ill intent the interesting thing is nobody's to the best of my knowledge um and there have been a number of books dr simon sherwood here in the uk a parapsychologist has maintained a lifelong interest after his own experience in childhood uh, with a black dog uh, and they do come under as somebody rightly said um and stephen just said in the chat room the bar guest the black shark mm-hmm. uh a whole raft depending of what part of the part of the world the country you're from yeah uh, they're almost interestingly. They're, they're um, they, they tend to be centred in are in and around the UK. There are there are parallels from around the world. Yeah, there are. Uh, there are. But but the predominance of sightings and reports of the phenomena is is a UK. So whether it's a Celtic or Anglo-Saxon origin uh, to the story, I have no idea. But it, that <laughs> might be a possibility. And, a, and of course, you have you have oh. the famous documentation of this. When the uh, the two black shucks attacked the church in the UK, and you can go there today and still see the claw marks on the door of the church. Really, uh, you can, and and also of course, it's they are supposed to be uh, behind the uh, story of the Hound of the Baskervilles. Exactly. Uh, uh-huh. Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle had been up in on in the West Country, um, and where the story is set, and there have been there have been other. Uh, Stories or legend described to um, the Baskerville Hound, but also there have been links to the Black Dog. So I have, I have, I actually have a an interesting case right here. Um, this is from my good friend uh, 
Ann Carrigan, and uh, because oh. it's about it's about a grave. Um, it's called okay. Vic Victim of the Beast, uh, with just four words and three numbers. A grave site in Salt Lake City Cemetery creeps out people. Lying quietly amongst the other tombstones is one belonging to Lily E. Gray. Her stone is simple, containing only her name, her birth, and her death. Following by the following statement, Victim of the Beast, 666. The first people to see the stone, they were naturally assumed that it was a hoax, but it's not. But the meaning behind the cryptic statement is unclear. Theories range from the beast being Lily's husband. <laughs> that Elmer, as his name is, uh, to one that claims 666 is actually a reference to the local road, Route 666. Hmm. And Lily might have had a bad accident there. So she survived the crash because her death certificate lists no clues other than she died at a local hospital from natural causes. So there you go. Okay. Victim of the Beast, 666. Is that in your ghost today? No, this is a, uh, this amazing piece of research I have right in front of me. I didn't do that. <laughs> did you no, say I didn't. I did that? No, I, I gave, no, this is about cemeteries, which you, uh, Oh, okay. I know is your forte. Aren't yes, you the taff taffle file? I thought for I, a moment I, that you were giving me credit for that, and I'm like, I don't remember this <laughs> ever. Ever. <laughs> All right. Just take the, just take the credit. He, he never gives credit, so just. That's true. Yeah. Touch, touch your forelock and say thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I note I it down as an extreme rarity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's I mean, there are so many instances that we have these strange and and those as a cemetery tephophile that you will come across many strange grains, haven't you, Ian? Oh, I certainly have. Did so, I, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, what were you going to say? No, so I was going to ask you, like, you know, would you give us an instance or? Um, I don't. I, I've seen a lot. It depends on what you define as strange. I mean, there's there's like weird strange like uh the lady's grave up in maine that had the recipe for ice cream on it Ooh. Um, but then there's also strange when you run across the grave of someone like who has been murdered um i was up uh in the bar harbor area uh a couple summers back and was out cemetery tripping with my sister-in-law, Marianne. We do that a lot on vacation and ran across this uh, stone of the son. It was the son and the father and, and the son had murdered the father. Oh, nice. Yeah. It was really, you know, son of mine. It was really uh, probably one of the you know, saddest and strangest gravestones I've ever seen. And they were buried there together. Um, and um, I think we, we actually, we Googled the story because, you know, it kind of, it said right on the stone. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, that's a, one strange one. There's another one that I've seen fairly local here and uh, over in Halifax, and that we had talked on that um, 
on a show a long time ago. Um, it was another murder. Um, and this is a case where the person who was murdered, and this was like back in the 1800s, mm -hmm. um, supposedly the murderer is also buried in that same cemetery, like off in the woods. Yeah. Although I've never seen that stone. Um, the, the name on the, the grave, I believe, is Sturdivant. Um, trying to remember the, the rest of it. But, um, yeah, I, I see stuff like that sometimes. And then sometimes there's things written on graves. Like and people post all those funny graves all the time. Right. You know, like, you know, I well, told you about made sick. Yeah. yeah, like it's grave intentions. Somebody, somebody does that there. Grave intentions, yeah. Yeah. See, I, I told you I was site. sick. Yeah. That, that, that site is, an, is awesome. Yeah, isn't it? It's almost yeah. as good as cemetery tripping. But anyway, I've heard about that one too. Yeah. 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 I heard they copied grave intentions, but I don't sometimes know. you see b bizarre stuff like that, and yeah. you just like, what the hell does that mean? Uh -huh. <laughs> Some of it you're just like, I don't know. No, I mean, but there's so many cool things in the world, Steve. Don't you think uh, strange things that are a little, you know, you, well, you make yeah. you go, hmm? Yeah, there, there are. And while, while you two were talking, I, it, I was looking through some just the local um, because research. The, the local research goes right the way back. And the earliest uh, book I've got is it from the 1840s, written by uh, jo uh, Reverend Jonathan Keredig Davis, who recorded all of the folk tales of the west of Wales, Pembrokeshire. Uh, it, there are there are four or five black dogs. I was flipping through them, but you were talking about uh, cemeteries, which put me into into mind of funerals because here in West Wales there is a peculiar uh, phenomena that does seem to be almost local to this part of of the United Kingdom: the phantom funeral. Um, and there are many many tales in, within within Pembrokeshire concerning these phantom funeral, or as they're called, toitlies or fetches. Yeah. Um, one I'm just flipping through here concerns Holloway Farm near Penalley, which is about four miles from here. And I, I visited the site on a winter's evening. An employee of the vicar of Penalley saw a, fa a large phantom funeral procession approaching Holloway Farm. He recognised several of his neighbours amongst the mourners. The vicar <laughs> laughed at the man when he was told about this, and showed even greater scepticism. So he's obviously like like Ron. When he was told that the phantom funeral had left the road, passing over a hedge bank and into an adjacent field before returning to the road a hundred yards or so further along, the vicar con continued to express his doubts, adding, If this indeed happened, you must surely be able to show me the place, since the hedge will be all trampled down. So the man took the vicar to the place, and there was no sign of a disturbance. Oh. However, shortly after, there was a spell of severe weather with a heavy snowfall, during which Mr. Williams, the tenant of Holloway Farm, passed away. On his way to the church, the funeral parlour party found that the lane had been blocked by snow and the coffin had to be carried over the hedge bank at precisely the spot crossed by the phantom funeral seen several days earlier. All of the mourners followed and the procession walked along the edge of the field boundary before eventually returning to the lane in precisely the spot foreseen in the phantom funeral. Mm. Oh, so also, do you, th you think that was a premonition then? A pre a yeah, we also... Absolutely. Well, possibly. We also have what are known as corpse candles, which are... Yeah. Or, orbs. Um, little, I'm little, sorry, what did you say? I, I, I didn't get that. A, cor <laughs> a corpse candle. 
is is a phenomena um, like a candle flame um, that have been reported through Welsh folklore from the earliest days. The first accounts of them go right the way back to Tudor England or Tudor Wales. It is a peculiarity, again, of um, the west coast of Wales and also throughout Ireland. Wow. Um, there's, an, there's an account here. The, the corpse candle, or canoll goff, um, Mr. Morris Griffiths was the first was at first a schoolmaster and then a minister of the of the Baptist Chapel at Pont Vine. One night he was returning home when he saw a large red light over a section of the roadway not far from the church. He heard he had heard about corpse candles and assumed that this must be one. So being an educated and inquisitive man, he watched it with great interest to see what might happen next. The candle stood still over exactly the same spot on the road for about a quarter of one hour, and then, still bright as ever, it moved in towards the church. Shortly afterwards, it came out again and hovered over a spot in the churchyard before disappearing. A few days later, Mr Griffiths was in the school with the children, and he heard a great noise overhead, and he thought that the school roof was collapsing. Rushing outside to investigate, he saw nothing. Next day, one of his pupils took to his bed with a mysterious illness. Uh-oh. A few days later, the little boy died. Aww. When the carpenter came to fetch the boards for the coffin, he had to climb up into the attic to fetch them. And while handling them, he made a noise that sounded exactly like the schoolmaster had heard. Before the funeral took place, there was a very period, a period of very heavy rainfall. The little boy was buried seconds. in precisely the spot the candle had indicated ten days before. Oh, wow. That is amazing. Next time, pick shorter ones. Uh, <laughs> that was, that was so one anyways, of the shorter ones. 15 seconds of the break. I have one quick one. John Paul uh, the 11th, 1276 and 77, was in office for less than a year. When the ceiling of the new wing of the palace collapsed on him while he slept, he died six days later. That's just careless. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> evidently they picked the wrong poop. So, so, anyways, here's the music, and we've got to take a break. You'll listen to Ghost Chronicles right here on Tojinet, Pararex, Planet Paranormal, and wherever the hell else we are. We'll be right back after the following messages. I am speaking to you via the medium of the ghost box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. Feel 
feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Anne and Steve Parsons. Yeah. Ta-da! Do you know that uh, of all the planets in the solar system, only Venus rotates clockwise? I did not know that. Isn't it flat like the Earth? Nope. Nope, that's a different one. That's the amazing thing. This world is so full of amazing things that we aren't aware of. For instance, until the invention of GPS, we had the measurement of Mount Everest wrong. It is actually seven feet taller than... All the books said it was. Oh, my. Seven whole feet, huh? Yes. And growing by half a centimeter a year. And, and you, know, you know, Anne, I know you like, you like you know, unusual stuff. So if you're ever up in uh, the, uh, where is this place? Chicago. Tibet. Uh, in November uh, 2008, the bike athletic company celebrated production, production of its 350th million jockstrap which was uh, promptly framed and flowed to the headquarters. So if you, uh, you ever get there, you can see the 350 millionth uh, jockstrap. I'll, um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make note of that. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I'll so, look that. So anyways, you know, baseball season is here in America, and we have some uh, strange superstitions. Do you believe in superstitions, uh, Steve? Uh, we have we have superstitions. I personally don't have any that I'm aware no, of. I have. Uh, you know, I, I I'm quite happy to kick a black cat under a ladder. <laughs> I'm sure he is to you. And do you have any superstitions? You know, I really don't. I'm not a superstitious person at all. Mm-hmm. Constantly opening umbrellas inside and you know things like that. Mm. Yeah, don't care. Don't care about them at all. Nope. All right, then I won't go into superstitions. Then fine, be there. <laughs> but what about you? But you I will tell you some of the strength. May, may, before, before you do answer, may I just quickly interject with the question? Can I put the encyclopedia down now because we're not doing apparitions? <laughs> oh yeah, weren't we supposed to be talking about apparitions? <laughs> no. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Anyways. No, no, no. You have to do. You have to start this bit, don't you? You were okay, the one that so you sent the message, like, make sure that we're going right, to do... Right. So, anyway, some of the, <laughs> so, strength... in the bre- so, in the break, one of us rushed over to get the encyclopedia off the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> and, was re- and was sitting here ready. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah. yeah, so anyway. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of strange baseball uh, injuries, you know, because this is the opening of baseball well, season. Well, maybe they aren't wearing their jock straps. So that could be it. Uh, there you go. 
For instance, former Giants manager Roger Clegg actually cut his hand while trial to, trying to undo a bra strap. <laughs> word of, uh, Was he wearing what? it at the time? I have no idea. <laughs> and uh, first baseman Ryan Kelko uh, pulled a muscle while uh, with the Braves lifting his lunch tray. Wow. And former first baseman Brett Bobby, what a weird name, had to sit out during the Marlins game after accidentally rubbing chili juice in his eye. Brett Barb, not yeah. Uh, yeah, I did that once. Did, did you really? Does it, does it hurt? Uh, well, not 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 deliberately. I was putting a contact lens in after preparing a chili. Mm-hmm. Not a great plan. Nope, not good at all. No. Oh. There was there was actually this this British uh, bricklayer who suffered from terrible earaches, and he found out he had a pregnant spider in his ear. Oh! But Is it his I, twin? Oh! I guess I guess he became attached to it. He, he became attached to it because he said he was going to keep it as a pet after it had its babies. Oh, that's so sweet! Isn't that so Br- totally British, Yucky. isn't it? Isn't it totally British? Uh, Steve, no, Steve? Hi. Not That's really. I just yeah, think it's I bit, think it's, it's totally I just think it's crazy. weird. Yeah. Yeah, weird. Totally I don't crazy. think, you know, we don't have, the Brits don't have the monopoly on weird stuff. That's right. That's right. The maiden name of Blondie Bombstead in the karma strip was Blondie is boop a doop Okay. There you go. So we're gonna call you Boopadoop. Oh, now I'm Boopadoop. Yeah, we'll call you Boopadoop. I'll stick with Blondie. Yeah, I think so too. I, I've just realized. I've just remembered what that translated into in twin language. What is it too? <laughs> what, what, it, required, what, what? it required diapers. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve, do you have any interesting uh, X Files for me, or am I the only one pulling up this useless trivia? The, well, by X Files, the X Files is, is an all-encompassing. It's like the word. It's like paranormal. Exactly. It's like any, any crap that you've got can go into the X Files bin exactly. in the cellar. Exactly. Um, oh. Well, here's here's one. I mean, it's I know a little Ron's bit pulling that crap out. It it, yeah. it came up on my feed today. I, I already sent Ron the link, so maybe Ron can backpost it from um, from the link I sent him earlier. Oh. But they saw a sea monster in the river. Oh, uh, uh, I sent you it today. No, 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 no cryptoids. No, it's not a cryptoid. It's a sea monster. Twenty seventh show, the twenty seventh. You and I, I know, were a show. but but no it's, a, it's it's still an X file, and it's very topical from the UK because it came up today onto the news feeds. Right. Guy sightseeing in London sees the Loch Ness monster on its holidays. Actually now, filmed, right? Actually filmed it. Now, which is the weird part? The fact that. Uh, there's a monster in the... Uh, or the Loch Ness Monster is on holiday. Oh, maybe it's just lost. <laughs> yeah, you know? The, the news, the news the media... Twins gave, the twins gave him some information. Well, the news media comes up with this idea that the Loch Ness Monster had gone on its holidays. That could happen. I think that's, you know... It's like the horse going into the bar and, you know, asking for a round of drinks and the barman looking at the... I got a talking horse. I don't. I don't know about that. If that's, I, I think he's 
uh, directions. But but the, but the X Files uh, like, like veil, then it doesn't take any directions. Then like, like the series, I mean, it does. Uh, within the series, they they covered alien uh, abductions, and of course, living here in Pembrokeshire, one of the most paranormal. Uh, famous ufo cases of all time took place uh here um the house where i live is literally in the center of what is known as the yeah you told us that before you get me new information no, I'm, I'm just saying that you know we we can t- x files covers u- ufology it covers exactly uh, sea lake monsters it covers ghosts it covers black dogs it it does even cover uh weird languages and freaks and all kinds of strange things all kind. i mean there's there was a fantastic episode with the circus freaks i remember <laughs> Oh, no, no. Do you remember that episode? That was a... Yes, I did. That was circus a... Freaks. I that actually saw like season five. Wait a minute. Season five, Davin McGavin, who played the Night Stalker, uh, was in it as the original founder of the X-Files in season five of X-Files. Oh, okay. But we were having uh, every X-Files from, from uh, the pilot right the way through to the current or most recent series, back to back, every night at 10 p.m. here in the U.K., Oh, so you must be all over that. Uh, we're up to, I think, they've they've got to about Series 4 now. I was watching it earlier. Really? It finished, finished about two hours ago. So it's good to... It's it's interesting to see how... Uh, what was it most exciting when they brought the series back? You know, there is this idea of, oh, will it work? Will it work? You know, will Duchovny and... and um, I can't remember the bloody woman's name now. Mm-hmm. I apologise... For not remembering her name. Yeah, uh-huh. we're not yeah. going to help you. Anyway, <laughs> but but Chris Carter just—it was like it had never gone away. It was, in fact, it was better than it ended because by the time it got to the light, the later series, it come on, much it, jumped the shark. It, it was. It was getting a little bit strange, wasn't it, with the, mm. the storylines? They, they sort of lost lost direction a little bit, lost the focus. But he's come back, and he's really got his eye on the ball this time. Um, and I think it's been a tour de force. So you, th- you think he's, you know, he's focused? You know, I think, yeah, I think he's come back in with an absolute tour de force of screenwriting and storytelling. Because you've got comedy, you've got, you've got that air of mystery, you've got the characters, and it's just welcome back. All right. So, anyways, uh, oh, by the way, did you, did you know during the, uh, the World War II, uh, the king ordered that only five inches of warm water be placed in the bathtubs at Buckingham Palace, and rings were painted around the tub. To because my my grandmother still had the remnants of a dark ring, a black sort of painted ring that she had inside the tub. Really? Oh, yeah. Um, on the enamel baths, uh, they, they, a lot of people painted a black ring around the tub five inches, uh, hand width up from the bottom. And I remember the faint outline of a trace of a um, of this black line. Uh-huh. So what does so, that what what what's what's that signify? So you can only put five inches of water in the tub. Yeah, so they don't waste they, energy. You had to they heat pa- the water. They passed a they passed a, a, of water. A uh, sort of bath for Britain type, you know, don't yep. use too much hot water because obviously uh, back then you needed either town gas or coal to heat the water. And if you were heating your bath water, then you, you would, you know, it was needed for the, for the war effort, for the factories. Oh. Okay. So they were encouraging people to use, to share baths. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, that was quite common, you know, growing up because 
back in the 1960s. You know, we, we, in Britain, we didn't finish war rationing until the 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, when I was born in 61, there was still quite a lot of echoes of rationing and sort of wartime routines, make do and mend. Right. We're still quite, you, know, you can still, you, you can still see them. Um, yeah. Because yeah. people are right along it to uh, stuff that really makes a difference. It um, does make a difference. It's made us who we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I Katie. have something. Yeah, right, Anne. Thank you very much. Oh, right. I get all right. Is that good or bad? That was good. I said thank that was you good. Much. Okay. Stop right. from talking. That was awesome. Five common sense ways to spot a fake ghost picture. Oh, Steve, this is right up your alley. Okay. I knew it would be. Oh, Steve's not talking. No. What's the first one? An uppie. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, all of us have been sent pictures before from people saying, "Oh, look at this picture! Look at the ghost in it! Look at the ghost! Look at the ghost!" And I look and I look and I'm like, I have no clue what what you're talking about. And they see, I don't know what they see. So. Okay, so five common sense ways to spot a fake ghost picture in no particular order, I guess. What is the source? And this should be the most obvious. Like anything else in life, can you trust where the picture is coming from? Doing a little research can help stop the hoaxers from wasting your time. Like, literally. I mean, do you ever know anybody who sends you these pictures? I don't, right? What? Unfortunately. Not usually. No. Hello. Carry on. Carry on. And, um, are you talking amongst yourselves? What are you doing? No, All right. Just mumbling uh, breath. Mumbling. You're mumbling under your breath. Does it look too good to be true? It probably is. You should have listened to your mother. Uh, so there's so many. Pow- I always do. I wear clean underwear. That's right. So many powerful photo editing software uh, everywhere. You know, if you see something that's too clear or too perfect. It's probably fake, and I would agree with that. Pay special attention to the shading or lighting angles. Most new photo editors don't know how to match lighting and shadows. Does the sun appear to be shining on a quote-unquote ghost in an indoor picture? Okay, number four. Are there any other glitches in the photo? Uh, What? Like Loch Ness Monsters. Right. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, most uh, most people who are faking are not skilled photo editors. Editors, maybe they are, but um, there's a whole lot of little little glitches that can happen. Sorry, in that sorry, it was the faking thing. I was just thinking of a, of a girl I once knew. <laughs> I thought most of you women faked. Excuse me. <laughs> really? You're only two, boy- you're only two boys. <laughs> Excuse me. It all depends. It all Number depends five. who the woman is with. Number five? Number five. Here's one for Steve. Is your Ooh. picture of an orb? It's probably not paranormal. Oh. This Uh-oh. may be a controversial stance, but in my opinion, there are just too many perfectly natural ways orbs can show up in a photo. I've even heard that they can be considered real if they emit their own light. So, anyways, that, that was, was number five. 
Oh, that was interesting. So, the, can, I, can I add a sixth one? You oh, sure can. If it's got a red circle round it, it's probably not paranormal. Probably oh, not. Okay. So, anyways, <laughs> Steve, you're you're yeah. very you're very, yeah. you know most of the paranormal investigators of the world, right? No. Good. Uh, so, did you, did you ever hear of the Ghost Whisperer? Uh, there have been several uh, who have claimed at that title. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Which one in particular do Well, this one, uh, Bonnie Vent is the founder of the San Diego Paranormal Research Project. And yeah, actually, the one that, yeah actually, I, I, I know the Scottish one. She's actually a ghost whisperer, in, in fact, uh, or a ghost bus. Vent uh, prefers the term spiritual advocate. Uh, I according- prefer the term wacko. Any email to uh, Steve Parsons. Uh, Actually, is, is to, it Ghost? Wait, wait a minute. Could this Whisperer. 2008 article. You've just posed a really interesting point. Yeah, if, well, if, what I'm done with you. If you whisper to ghosts, if yes, you whisper, why you would hear you go it? on? You know, if How you are you going to know what I'm talking about unless you hear well, it? I, no, I know, because before you get to that point, you've just raised a really interesting other point that if you have to whisper to ghosts, then why do you call out when you do an investigation? Well, she doesn't ever unless she whispers to him. According to a 2008 article, the New York Times, she can cleanse your house of spooky visitors with a little friendly coaxing, hence the ghost whisperer. Vent doesn't believe in rituals. Instead, she engages the ghost in conversation to see why they're there. Spirits are people, too, she says. They have a root cause. Vent's uh, spirit... Advocacy is not cheap, however, because she charges $125 an hour for her services. And sometimes the ghosts decide to stick around anyway. I guess she, she could whisper them. Uh, and so, anyways, in that case, she says you should try to work out a uh, livable situation. Conveniently, she uh, also doubles as a real estate agent and invites potential buyers to sell on their haunted houses uh, okay. if they advertise on her site. How convenient. Yeah, so there's no money in ghosts. We know that. No. Hey, I have a question. Yeah. I have a question. Who, have you guys seen, and I don't know if this, they have this in the UK yet, Paranormal Lockdown? Yeah, we've uh, we've just started to get it over here. Yeah. What do you think? It's, that's Aaron, right? Aaron, uh, uh, what's his name from uh, Ghost Adventures, right? Uh, oh, no, that's, uh, no, that's the other guy, right? Oh, this Cal calling me again. Jeez. I yeah, just said another telephone call. Well, I can't. Well, it, it is, con- he's from the Ghost Adventures. Yes. All right. The, con- the concept of uh, go to a location for more than a few hours and live there and see what happens is a good idea because that's the basis. I mean, that's a sound basis for an investigation is to go there and just spend time in a oh, location. Certainly. Kind of lock I, but what what we're really dealing I've seen one episode so far. What we're really dealing with here is a new twist on a let's go into a spooky place and play with the K2s and the EVP meters. It's right. true. Yeah. It's true. You know, all they've done is they've just come up with a different twist on it. I mean, there were, uh, uh, the, the Ghost Hunters, um, Most Haunted Live were doing three and four night shows. So is there really that much difference? Just making a four night live into a series? Program. You know, they just you know they just do it a little yeah. different. Unlocking the door, you know. I mean, how did they use the bathroom? How did they get the signal out to the scanner truck? Who delivers the pizza? Yeah, are right. they allowed to have pizza if the doors are locked? <laughs> well, I assume they bring their pizza in. Don't they have microwaves? Yeah, I... Three day old pizza. Come on. <laughs> oh, come on. You went to college. This isn't Spirit Quest. What are you talking this about? This isn't Spirit Quest. 
Are you okay. fresh food? It's fair quest. Three day old pizza. Here you go. We'll get it up for you again. Um, it's Nick Groff and yeah. Katrina Weedman. Yeah, Groff is from the uh, Ghost. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. He's a nice guy, by the way. I don't know. You know, I just I just happened to catch it a couple weeks ago. I watched a couple of the shows. Did you like it? I I think I like it better than your average. Um, Oh, Better than a, your average bear. That's, um, that's, a, that's a big endorsement. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's not. It's I'm with Anne. It's not. It's not as unbearable as as it could right. have been, and it's not as unbearable as those that have gone before it. Yes, that's that's how I felt about it. And I, um, the only thing I feel like about this show, and and you could totally lot. To, I I don't know if I could do it. You know, like. A, a whole weekend with with Ron locked in there. But, <laughs> um, we'd probably kill each other. There'd be two corpses on Monday. But and then you I, could talk to him. I we think call in the ghost whisperer. Of, I think that it's kind of cool to if you know you're legit going to do this. I I think that that would be a really cool experience. But the thing that I would worry about is when you're sleep deprived, you might start seeing and hearing things that really weren't there. But yeah, I mean, we've, we've done investigations here in the UK where we've been on location inside a location for four, five, six days and nights continuously. But what we've done in those situations is split the team into shifts and go on to shift packs. So you've got a team on days, a team on nights. So uh, it, it, it's by far the more preferable way, because if, if stuff's going to happen, are you always going to be there at the right time? And of course, if you're there 24 seven or, you know, uh, seven days out of 365, you're going to maximize your opportunities to be there at the right time for something to happen. Mm-hmm. So right. that's got to be a better approach, at least, than than the current norm of we spent 24 hours when in reality we spent four hours, or even these paid investigations where you arrive at 7 o'clock and you're, you're on your way home by 1 a.m. Yeah, right. Right. Absolutely. I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of, it's kind of cool. I, I I have never investigated any place, you know, for that long a time. Um, really? More than 24 hours? Oh, okay. Really? Okay. I haven't. Have you? Well, you probably have, but I haven't. It's routine for our, for us. Uh, within Parascience, we, uh, our investigations have, can, can go on for hundreds, thousands of, of, of hours. Of years. Yeah. Of years, <laughs> they feel like it. We, well, I mean, you get, you should be in the situation where you're as familiar with the building as you are with your own home, because right. that way you become, you know, you you know all the noises, you know all the sounds, you exactly. know all the smells that are that are the normal for your house. When you move into a property or you you stay in a holiday let, everything is strange and unfamiliar, and that's got to be the case when you go into somebody's property and investigate it. Whereas if you if you spend a great deal of time there, then that familiarity um, allows you to make a better judgment call and spot the the unusual events when they take place. Right. Well, I just, uh, I wondered if anybody else had seen it because it was new to me and uh, I would probably watch it again and and see what transpires in the future because I feel like it's not as gimmicky but well, you know, well, you know, Anne, we could do this. You know, we we could, uh, you know, do this and, and record it since we have the ability to record. We could. Yeah, walk in, you know, 
and uh, there you go. Uh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I remember you you, you set up an experiment though, didn't you? Uh, back two thousand and fourteen, uh, where you locked a psychic and a ghost investigator into a beachside property for <laughs> a week and a half, and there was some really weird stuff took place. Oh, well, actually, um, uh, ghosts were seen and and captured on camera, and, <laughs> and, yes, and yeah, stuff happened. Weird <laughs> stuff. Weird <laughs> stuff happened. Uh, yeah, and you know, and I remember one of my first uh, investigations at the uh, the uh, Sprague Mansion in in uh, Rhode Island. I actually locked uh, Jimmy Stonier and uh, author Molly Gibson into the wine cellar. Oh. And, and uh really how'd that work uh well it, it, it might have worked you know jim was trying to do evps and of course um molly had her earpiece on and i was and we were monitoring it from the base camp and was and i kept whispering it to uh molly's ear what's that on the wall behind you it looks like a face oh my god it's getting bigger is that behind you <laughs> she freaked out broke the door getting out of there Nice, 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 nice. And Jim, uh, needless to say, got no EVPs, but a lot of screaming. But a lot of screaming. Yeah. Nice. I, have, I have a five, quick top five um, for you. Uh, okay. The, We're all the top We're five all things claimed by witnesses to hauntings. In no particular order, but it's the, the five most common. Uh, one is a sudden drop in temperature. Now, that's one of the oldest ones. Goes oh, back. no! Goes right the way back to the. I heard it goes right the way back to the earliest days. This association with temperature drop, an inexplicable movement of objects, unaccountable knocks and bangs. This obviously the next one is a modern one. Fluctuations in the electromagnetic field, and the malfunctioning of electrical equipment, are the top five things reported by witnesses to hauntings. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Anyways, that was the bell, but. Uh... You know, the old pizza is here. Yeah, the day old yeah. pizza for us. <laughs> but you, you guys have heard the the, uh, the idea of putting coins into the the uh, eyes of the dead, right? When they bury them. Yeah, it's still done. Yeah, it's still done, right? And 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 you know that is, uh, you know, they've been doing that for over three thousand years, and it really hasn't changed much. Uh, that is the price for the uh, ride into Hades. Uh, so it, it was a uh, oboe. They used to put oboes, which is a ancient Greek coin, and it was valued one-sixth of a drachma, uh, <laughs> roughly 15 to $20 today. So placing the coins in the corpse's eyes would uh, allow the corpse to reach its final destination. Isn't, isn't that sweet? That's so special. We have some really weird ones here in, in, in West Wales. We have uh, an old an old uh, tradition is to haul the corpse up the chimney. Uh, a group of men. A group of men would, oh, that's easy. They, they would assemble and they would pa- pass a rope down the chimney and they would pull the, the, the corpse through it in the, an act of passage. And, of course, we have the sin eater. Um, where a, a, yes, a, sin eater, yep. That's, 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 that's all still, around the world. Yep. Yep, hey, that's, guys, we've got to go. No, we yeah. don't. Uh, yeah, not yet. We don't. Uh, but uh, we have that. We have that right. The, right up until this. This uh, the last century here in West right. Wales. Right, in which you would cook a meal and you would place the the food outside the door of the house, right? Or, uh, uh, and to eat, yeah, in order to eat the sins of the deceased, right? Uh, they so would that get they a could, good meal. Yeah, so, so they yeah. could so they could have a good passage into the afterlife. Right. 
So All maybe right. we should put a plate of food out for us tonight so they can eat the sins of the show because it was uh, for a show that was about nothing. It lasted very quickly. Oh. All right. So thank you, Steve. Thank you, uh, Ann. And uh, tune in next You're welcome. week. Thank you. Good night. Good bless. Good night, everybody. Talk to you next week. Or as you say in Wales, Nosta. Goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good luck.